Hello, I'm John Ellis, and welcome to episode 67 of Petaudry PS, the predominantly Dons-based podcast featuring not just the Dons first team, but a look across the age groups and genders at the club. And we focus on the respective progress of Cove and Peterhead too, as well as the Northeast local representatives in the Highland League and juniors. And not just football, but any sport making headlines in the northeast of Scotland or featuring someone from the northeast of Scotland. Joining me for this journey, as always, Dave McDermott and Andrew Shiny. So here we are recording this episode on the morning of Tuesday, January 31st, 2023. And in due course, we'll preview our next games against Simran midweek, followed by Motherwell on Saturday, both at home in the league. But before we look ahead, we have to go back and review our match from the weekend against Hibs. Your thoughts on the game, Andrew, and then we can go back into the week as such and events off the park relating to what happens on it, purely on the on the Hibs match, first of all. I mean, do we do we even want to waste much time on this? It may seem blasé, but it was just more of the same, wasn't it? Three goals from unchallenged headers, a penalty, a comical diagonal ball, totally dumbfounding a defender, no one in a red shirt being first to a rebound. I hate to say this, but I've almost got used to it, haven't you? A wee bit. I must admit, I sat and, and watched the Red TV coverage with growing disbelief at how bad Aberdeen could possibly sink to. And, you know, we, we spoke last week about how Darville was the worst result in the club's history. That, for me, was the worst performance I've seen from an Aberdeen side in the more than 50-odd years that I've been watching Aberdeen. There was just nothing there whatsoever. From the time that the first Hibs goal went in, I don't think David Marshall had any meaningful work to do at all. The defending, you cannot def- describe that as defending. It was comic book stuff. As you said, three unchallenged headers, a penalty that resulted in Liam Scales getting another red card at, at Easter Road. A good performance from Hibs, but in all honesty, they didn't have to really raise themselves to any great heights to beat such a poor Aberdeen side. And no surprise whatsoever at the end of it that Jim Goodwin was given his marching orders. This was against Hibs. It wasn't a heart side that's flying high at home. This was Hibs, a Hibs side that couldn't buy a victory. And, you know, to get beaten 6-0, 6-0 for goodness sake. I mean, how embarrassing is that? Yeah. And, they, you know, it's Aberdeen's worst defeat since... I think it's November 2002 when we lost 7-0 at Celtic Park. It's a damning indictment in this group of players. You've forgotten about the 9-0. Oh, there, there was the 9-0, of course, yeah. That's very true, Dave. <laughs> I Sorry. like to forget about it as well. PTSD. I, I, I didn't look further down the list to see. Um, <laughs> uh, it was the first time we'd, we'd conceded six or more, apart from that 9-0. But yeah. let's let's draw a veil over that. Um <laughs> We're not trying to make out, oh, it wasn't that bad a result. It's just my um, poor memory, I'm afraid. But unfortunately, you know, it's been so symptomatic of Jim Goodwin's reign. Really poor defeats. 4-0 at Tannadice against a Dundee United side that was really toiling. 5-0 at Hearts, 6-0 at Hibs. You know, you look at Jim's overall record, 35 league games, only won 11 that's only 31% of your league games. We conceded 56 goals in 35 league games, 1.6 goals per game. So you've got to score two plus to have any chance of winning a game when you're conceding as many as that. And remember, Jim's soundbite that will forever haunt him now, sorting out the defence will only take a couple of weeks. Mm. He was in the job for almost a year 
and the defence got progressively worse. And that, I'm afraid, will be the the tag that will forever be hung around Jim Goodwin's neck. The other soundbite I remember was, judge me this time next year. Well, well, he has been judged and unfortunately came up short. I mean, Jim is a man I've got a great deal of respect for, a very nice guy. John, you've seen him uh, as well. He's unfailingly polite. Yeah. Um, uh, but for whatever reason, the job just wasn't the right one for him. His overall record of 42 games, 17 wins, 7 draws, 18 defeats, that is embellished greatly by having won 6 out of 7 League Cup ties this season. You're judged on your league form, and as I said, it just wasn't good enough. The aftermath, Dave, um, Jim Goodwin seen trudging out of Easter Road, literally sent with his bags packing, um, and all that was missing was, that you remember the, the, the end theme on the Hulk? <laughs> from that show in the 70s, ding, 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 ding. And a visibly emotional Dave Cormack speaking to the media. I'm having some weird sort of out-of-body experience watching all this. Like, I can't believe it's our club. It's surreal, isn't it? There was no way back. There shouldn't have been any way back after the previous Monday. Total humiliation when watching that footage of Jim going across the pitch while the, the subs are still warming down and the, the Hibs subs just standing looking at him. And then he vaults the advertising board. It's not exactly the most glorified way to leave a football club, almost on a par with Stevie P in the back of the, the car. No, it was <laughs> surreal. There's no doubting Dave's passion for the club. Can't can't fault that, but decision-making brought from the club has been bizarre. It's weird as well. I mean, uh, all too often uh, you, you keep seeing um, people trotting out the fact that Stephen Glass had he been given more time, already had a better record. And, you know, it's just one of those things. You, you can't look back too much. The, the interim team in charge, uh, comprising Barry Robson and Scott Anderson from the youth setup, this time with Steve Agnew brought in as well. Uh, a coach of Barry worked with at Middlesbrough in his time there. An interesting appointment, that one, Andrew. Do you think Barry's asked to, to have him brought in? I'm not sure if it's been Barry's call to bring him in or whether it's the football monitoring board has looked at the situation and said, let's get somebody in with a lot of experience. Barry has got a lot of experience in terms of playing and of developing young players, but it's a different animal, a first team group than a youth team set up. So maybe bringing in Steve Agnew, who... I don't know at all, um, but he does have good coaching credentials. I don't know what type of character he is, whether he is, you know, the the good cop to, to Barry Robson's bad cop or vice versa. You always think back to Craig Brown and Archie Knox. Craig, very mannerful, mannerful um, you know, looked like the sort of guy that would never fall out with anybody. Whereas Always had a word Archie, as original to hand over, yeah. Well, exactly. Whereas <laughs> Archie had a baseball bat behind his back ready to batter anybody that stepped out of line. I don't know what the, the sort of dynamic between the three of them is, but I think it's a good move bringing in someone with experience. And it does suggest that there's not going to be a rushed appointment. Barry was given one game in charge in the interim between Stephen Glass and Jim Goodwin and nothing each draw against St Johnston, to me, bring in an experienced guy to work with him suggests that this is yeah. maybe going to be slightly longer term. There is still, what, 20-odd, well, 15 games, something like that, still to go this season. You're looking to get an immediate response and whether the, the board felt that Barry needed 
an experienced guy to help him try and get this immediate response. I'm not sure, but the proof will be in the pudding tomorrow evening when when the game kicks off against St Mirren. First of all, it will be very interesting to see what the starting eleven is, but secondly, just to see what sort of response there is. Because let's be honest, at Pataudry, there hasn't been an awful lot to complain about um, in terms of performance from the team. But away from home, they're absolutely diabolical. They cannot afford to take that away from and any lingering, oh, feel sorry for me attitude that anybody might have. They can't take that into the game tomorrow night. So it's going to be an interesting one. The idea of this football monitoring board, just as an aside, you know, it's not a completely alien idea. If you look at the likes of, and I know, um, you know, you you get pundits making this point as well. The idea of German teams, they all have like a board that sit above the coaches and the coaches are basically dispensed with in, in terms of go away, coach the team, tell us the players that you'd like or the positions that you'd like to fill. The football monitoring board will take care of the business end of it. You take care of the football part. And and it's it's not that alien a concept, but for, for us, it seems to be, we've got a what now? A football monitoring board? It's not that unusual, is it, Dave? No, it's not. I think the problem was that no, none of the fans had ever heard of it prior to that. You know, when was it set up? Because it certainly wasn't there for now. Not in that name. And I think the name itself was uh, subject to quite a bit of uh, ridicule as well, which uh, didn't exactly help. But uh, whether it was a positive to name who's on that board at the time is open to debate because I certainly don't think the people that were named will think it was a real positive. More like throwing them under a bus, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the, the actual concept is... is uh, is not new, but uh, as I say, it is for, you know, who knew there was a football monitoring board before Wednesday? From what I can tell, uh, and this is purely anecdotal, I mean, a lot of fans seem to want Barry to get a go at the job full-time, at least maybe until the end of the season. And I wonder if that experience of Steve Agnew, as you suggested, Andrew, uh, being added to the club is with one eye, perhaps, on letting him do that, depending on results. Yeah, I would say that, you know, if if we were to now go in a run of of games where, you know, we, we got ourselves somehow into a position to qualify for Europe under Barry, it would be very difficult to turn around and say to him, well, thanks for your efforts, but (laughs) bye-bye, go and look after the under-18s once again. I think Barry would be making a very strong case, a very vocal case, to be at least considered um, for the job. And if not, I would think that he would have something in his CV to be able to go to other clubs and, and say, look what I managed to do with an Aberdeen side that was absolutely rock bottom in terms of morale and confidence in the space of a dozen or so games, take a chance on me sort of thing. No, I I think um, bringing Steve Agnew in, as I said, is a kind of indicator, a pointer to say, we're not going to rush into a decision. But to go back to the football monitoring board, the, the one question that you always have lingering at the back of your mind is, is it four equal voices or is it three advisors and Dave has the ultimate say? Reading between the lines with some of the things that Dave said after the game on Saturday, he maybe realises that he cannot run the whole show himself. He cannot manage absolutely everything from the States. He's going to have to look at the whole setup once again and maybe step back a little bit. Yes, he's the money behind everything and fair play to him. He has 
put a lot of investment into the football club, uh, sourced various investors to put money into the football club. But does he have the football knowledge at this level to be able to run the show single-handedly? Yeah, meanwhile, uh, a defender arriving on loan in the transfer window, Matty Pollock here from Watford. Um, no pressure, Matty, but we need you to become the Messiah, don't we, Dave? Absolutely. Um, I mean, it was interesting that uh, Matty Pollock sought the advice of Tommy Hoban, who, of course, is ex-Watford and spent uh, two spells with the, the Dons. And Tommy, as you'd expect, had absolutely nothing bad to say about the club. We can't expect him all our you know, troubles to be over with one on-loan defender. But my goodness, is he needed? Because obviously we've got no scales on uh, tomorrow night against uh, St Mirren. And I would imagine he'll come straight into into the, the starting lineup because he played in the championship at the weekend, coming on as a sub for, for Watford. But, uh, you know, we all hope there's a reaction tomorrow. But th- there'll also be the questions, if there is a reaction, which we, we, we hope does happen, mm. why? Why did it not happen sooner? There's obviously something far wrong before a, a club go out the way Aberdeen did on Saturday, knowing that this was last, last chance saloon for the manager and putting a performance like that. Something far wrong. And also the fact that, again, ridiculous amount of fans down there to witness that, paying good money to, to be totally shortchanged. Yeah, I don't imagine um, Barry will have had much of any say in uh, in recruitment at, at this stage. Do we expect more to arrive before that window slams shut, Andrew? I mean, I, I've seen people speculating today, oh, you know, a goalkeeper coming in, possibly another defender, maybe a striker. Who knows? And Barry won't have any say in it, will he? I wouldn't have thought he would. He, he didn't have a say in, in Matty Pollock. That was all lined up by Jim Goodwin uh, because it was Jim who spoke to Matty as you would have seen from the Ryder TV interview that Matty did with Mal Panton last night. It's extremely difficult now. It, this is the 31st of January, so we've got a matter of hours until the, the, the window closes. Who's going to come to a club that doesn't have a, a manager in place where everything's in a state of flux, who have been absolutely horsed in their last two league games, who have gone out of the cup to a junior side? You know, Do you really want to be putting the future of your career in, in there. But I suppose if the if the price is right and the, the opportunities are there, but I would question who would be doing the talking to, to any potential players coming in uh, to try and persuade them to come to Aberdeen. Barry's got more than enough in his plate trying to get a tune out mm. of the first team without having to go and, and speak to agents and players and stuff like that. And as I say, we've only got a few hours left there may be something. The Ajax third choice goalkeeper Jay Gorter is has been mentioned in dispatches. There's been a couple of others that they were looking to to speak to, but I think they stepped back because of the situation at the club at the moment. So to be honest, I think you might get one, but no more than that. And it is going to leave a short because. Liam Scales, that was his second ordering off, so he's going to get at least a two-match ban. Anthony Stewart's confidence looks to be shot to bits. I mean, where was he in any of the six goals on, on Saturday? Didn't see him at all. I'm not even. I, I'm about to say I'm not even sure that I saw him in the highlights. Real, honestly, no, no, no you, you didn't. And I think you know, there's there's a huge onus on Matty Pollock to slot in there seamlessly. Uh, 
I just wonder whether it may be the case that Ross McCrory plays centre-back with Matty Pollock uh, tomorrow night, or whether, you know, I really can't see where else you're going to pull players in from. Jack Milne, your other central defenders out on loan, you're not going to pull him back, I wouldn't have thought. He's only played one he's, game. Yeah, at he's only just gone out, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah, he has. And it's a shambolic situation, to be perfectly honest. But there's just no time left in this window. I'll be extremely surprised if there's one, far less, more than one player arriving at Cormac Park today. Just a couple of things on on the idea of Tom Ritchie has been recalled from Peter Head as well. You've got us being associated with a keeper to come in in this window potentially for to the end of the season. Joe Lewis, I, I know he has shipped what is it now one two uh, tw- no twelve goals 12. In, the, in the last three games. Uh, arguably, I'm trying. I'm, I'm, I'm playing back through them all in my mind. Arguably, has he been responsible for too many of them? I mean, if you were if you were Joe Lewis looking at someone coming back on from an on loan, you know, previously a youth goalkeeper, and, and another one coming in on loan from um, from Ajax potentially, if you're Joe Lewis and you're sitting there as as currently first choice, would you be getting a little bit worried, Dave? I don't think Joe should be worried because, as you say, I, I think the best goalkeeper in the world would have. A- a problem uh, not shipping goals into that to that with that defence in front of you. So uh, Joe's confidence, like every, everybody else, is not going to be great at the moment. But uh, I think you're absolutely right to to say that Joe wasn't personally responsible for too many of them. And Joe hasn't turned into a bad keeper overnight. Uh, I would still have confidence uh, with Joe, Joe as your first choice keeper, but with uh, a bit of a stronger defence in front of you. Back to Barry and his first day in charge w- with this group. How on earth do you go about it? I mean, more importantly, how will he have gone about it, Andrew? I mean, rocket launch or arm around the shoulder? Bearing in mind, this is a side who've been knocked out of the Scottish Cup by a non-league outfit, coupled either side by conceding 11 goals without reply to each half of Edinburgh. I mean, it's literally been that scenario of just when you think it can't get any worse, it does. So what would Barry have said to them? How would he treat it? I think he's got to almost go at it from the point of view of the fan. Take myself, for example, 56 years I've been going to Pataudry. That really cut to the quick, that defeat on Saturday. You were totally embarrassed to be an Aberdeen fan, embarrassed to wear an Aberdeen badge on your jacket when you go into work tomorrow, because they all let themselves down, their families down, their clubs down, and most importantly, as Dave mentioned, that big travelling support that paid good money to go to Easter Road and see a reaction from the team to let them down big style. And I think he's got to say to them, look, I hope you have looked yourselves in the mirror and said, I have got to do a million percent better than what I did on Saturday. They're international players, some of them. They looked like amateurs. I saw more endeavour from an under-15 side on Sunday which I'll mention later on. But I think that's what you've got to do is take a long, hard look at yourselves. Is that the best you can do? If it is, the exit doors across there. If not, come on, show me what you can do. I think it's it's all about personal pride as much as anything else now, because you couldn't say that anybody on Saturday deserved pass marks. Some maybe tried a little bit harder than others, but there was too many went into hiding. And I think Steve Tosh hit the nail on the head in his co-commentary when he said that 
you know, it, it's it's easy to go looking for the ball when you're 3-0 up or 3-0 down because you're either cruising or the game's completely gone from you. But when it's nothing each, when it's still there on the line and you don't want to look for it and you're not making runs for your teammates, that's the sign of cowardly players. And there was too many of them on Saturday. So I think Barry's got to go in there. It's got to be a, a sort of balancing act between reading the riot act and, as you say, the arm around the shoulder. But just say to them, look, come on, boys. I've been the course. I know what it's all about. So have you. Look yourselves in the mirror. Did you do enough? Can I do better? And if you can do better, get out there and show us that better. Um, because a repeat of... Saturday, and your future in this game is absolutely zero. Because people will have looked at that. Football people from all around the world will have looked at that and, and gone, there's not one of those that I would want on my side. And that's that's the most damning indictment you can level at any player, is if folk look at it and say, nah, it's got no fight, no passion, no determination. But sadly, that's what we got on Saturday. Just uh, briefly, uh, we'll move on in a second and get a score predictor, but just briefly, given the fact that the transfer window does slam shut today, any idea, uh, there's a suggestion we'll need to move a few out. Any ideas who might be uh, sort of waiting in the wings in, in a fast car to take off somewhere, Dave? Not really. I mean, it's, it's been such a, a difficult season to predict what's going to happen It could next. almost be anyone, couldn't it? I mean, that's Absolutely. the thing. And, and it could be, you know, uh, regular starters, or it could be French players. You know, Bovar has not been getting much of a an opportunity. I just don't know. It's it's like uh, needle in a haystack. Just pull out a name. Um, mm. If there's, up, in, if there's interest, then 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 we probably we we're probably interested at this point. Possibly, yeah. I mean, they but you, you hear and sure, like everybody, you, you hear all the rumours of players that. That and you, you always did get, or I've mentioned this before. I always got the impression that if you fell out with Jim Goodwin, he kind of ostracised you, you know, and that goes right back to the Andy Considine thing. But I've heard rumours that uh, Richardson had fallen out with the, the manager, Ramirez, another one, you know, and Shinny, obviously, you know, or, or else why was he not involved in the Darvel game? Uh, that just beggars belief for Jim to come out after you know, his pre match for Hibs and, and say, yeah, I got that one wrong. But if he knew that then, why did you not know it at half time when we're a goal down at Darvel? You know, so just some things just don't add up. Yeah, before you know it, uh, they are back into the heat of the fire. I'm sure St. Mirren supporters would have loved to have seen uh, their side end the tenure at Pataudry of their former boss, but alas, uh, he managed that in his own with a game to spare. They'll still fancy their chances at Pataudry tomorrow night, won't they? And Stephen Robinson will be warning them all the way there's nothing more dangerous than a wounded animal. And yet, even after all that's been these last few days and weeks, Barry has the gift of turning around to his team and saying, all right, lads, largely speaking, you've been great up here this season. Get a win tonight and you'll be above these guys in the league again and still in the mix for Europe next season. Do you think you'll send them out to have a good go? Or will it simply be a case of one step at a time? Let's just try and not concede seven this time, Dave. Knowing Barry, he'll certainly go out to have a go, not you know, with all, all guns blazing from the... From, uh... From the off, but uh, you know we need a we need a reaction because, quite frankly, if we don't get a reaction in the next two home games, given what's happened this season, we are in big trouble. So it can go obviously like every game one of two ways, but uh, 
you would hope there's going to be a wee bit of an interim manager bounce if there is such a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, but, but simply, quite simply, there has to be because we're talking about Europe, but equally, we're not that far away from the, the four teams at the bottom. Okay, let's do a, a score predictor Aberdeen versus St Mirren, Andrew. Oh, cheers. I, I was waiting for Dave to come with his one first and <laughs> sort of temper it a little bit. I mean, as we say, there's got to be a reaction. And as I said earlier, you know, the home performances largely have been quite good, scored lots of goals, still conceding far too many, but um, not as many as we do on the road. I would settle for any sort of a victory, regardless of performance. So I'll go a horribly nervy 2-1 victory for Aberdeen, having been a goal behind, but then showing a bit of character to bounce back. And Dave, Aberdeen versus St Mirren. Yeah, I agree, 2-1, because they can't see us not conceding with that <laughs> defence. And even with our, our Messiah from Watford, I still think <laughs> we've got to every likelihood that we'll uh, concede it. 2-1, but to uh, us to score first, them to equalise, and then we get the winner. I'm sending out Joe, Tom Ritchie, uh, <laughs> Matty, everyone's a defender. We're just going to strap them across the goal. Now, I actually think we might win this by uh, by 2-0, but we'll see. And what about Aberdeen versus Motherwell? They were the, in the early part of the season, they were the one of the few, well, in fact, I think the only team that came up here and, and, and got a win at the start of the season. So Aberdeen versus Motherwell, Dave, again. Well, again, Motherwell are the, the, the other side that can't buy a win at the moment, which usually means if they come up against Aberdeen, that's their bad form ended. But again, I'm going to go for 2-1 Aberdeen. And Andrew? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that one. I mean, they, uh, I've got to echo what Dave said, you know, if ever a side needs a victory, just find their, your next fixture against Aberdeen. That's usually the case. But you just hope that, you know, the interim management team can galvanise the, the squad to such an extent that they can manage to get a victory because morale and confidence is, is low down at Motherwell as well. Stevie Hamill's not got his troubles to seek. And I think Aberdeen won down at Motherwell earlier on the season, one of only two away league victories this season. So no reason to think they can't do it again, other than all the rubbish that is flying around the club at the moment. <laughs> um, well, I'm gonna yeah. So do two one. You said in that one. Two one. Well? Yeah, 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 I, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take us for a one nil in that one. Um, that's that's two games without conceding a goal and scoring Stop. three. I mean, that's just it's what are you on crazy man, <laughs> crazy. Just one other quick thing. As we go into this, um, we're only one point further off third than the clubs behind us are in in, in bottom spot. Four of them are, are tied on 20 points. So they're, what, nine off us? Um, we're 10 off hearts. I think we've given up on third. Um, do you think any of them have given up on catching us, Andrew? We, we, we couldn't. We couldn't. Could we? In current form, we could. But as we've said, you're, you're praying for uh, a reaction under new management and I think possibly the nine points will take an awful lot of reining in but as Dave said lose to St Martin lose to Motherwell you're right in the thick of it and if these two games end up in defeats it does suggest you know there there is no reaction no mm-hmm. positive reaction and it could all quickly turn very, very sour. It could, but I think also, uh, and I'm trying to be optimistic here, glass half full, I think these are 
probably about the best couple of games that you could have had in terms of fixtures at home coming up. Uh, not in terms of opposition necessarily, but just having those two games at home back to back to give you a, a, the chance to springboard back. So let's hope. Let's move on to the under-18s next, Andrew. Friday passed uh, the fourth round of the Scottish Youth Cup against Hamilton Aki's with a 7pm kickoff. How did it go? Started well. Uh, Finlay Marshall and Liam Harvey had Aberdeen 2-0 up, but uh, Hamilton got a goal back before half-time and were starting to dominate. But second half, Aberdeen sadly collapsed, conceded four goals, had Dylan Lobbin sent off for two daft bookings. And so as a result, they're out of the the Youth Cup, uh, which is a major blow because I think everybody thought that they had a real chance of progressing and possibly even winning that tournament, but a really poor performance second half. Uh, Hamilton, very strong, very together, and that was what the Dons just weren't. The game was won and lost in the middle of the park where Hamilton totally dominated in the second half. One or two decent-looking players, one or two experienced players in there, guys that have played first-team football in the championship, but uh, uh, certainly a result and a performance that Barry just wouldn't have accepted. So... I wouldn't have liked to have been a fly in the wall in the dressing room afterwards because you'd have been napalmed, <laughs> I think, with the, uh, Barry's words. But the, the, they've got the chance now to, to bounce back on Friday. Uh, I think it's a 4pm kickoff yep. against Hearts at Cormac Park. I think it'll be Stuart Duff, possibly with Derek Young, who will be in charge of the, the squad there. Uh, but... Uh, but no, they've got to get themselves back on track once again. And surprise uh, for everybody that listens to us talk about the under-18s, no Alfie Bavage goal um, no. for the 18s. But on Sunday, I did see a Bavage winner from Sam Bavage for Dice Boys Club in the under-15 Scottish Cup last 16 tie against Stirling Albion over at Dice. Uh, my grandson, Scott, plays for them. And it was a... a a cracking game and um, played in horrible conditions. Sam Bavage, much to the delight of his dad, Mitch, uh, or, sorry, Martin, his grandpa is, is uh, Mitch. Uh, Martin's part of the coaching team for the under 15s at Dice. And he said, I'm really chuffed for him because he kind of, he's forgotten a wee bit because his big brother scores so many goals. But Sam still showing the predatory instincts that seem to be part of the Bavage DNA. <laughs> Got the winner with about two minutes to go to the great delight of the Dice team and all their supporters. Good stuff and congratulations to your uh, to your grandson as well. Now, as you say, next up, Hearts at Home in the League, Cormac Park Friday at four. Just briefly on this, is the league title still a viable option for, for the, uh, the under-18s? Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're sitting eight points off the top of the table and Celtic are top but they've got three games in hand mm. and uh, you know if they can get back on the bike again and, and they're all against Hamilton perform- <laughs> <laughs> um, avoid playing Hamilton yes but uh, there's there's no reason to suggest that that these boys they don't become a bad squad overnight no um, they've just had a wee run and I think it's been as much as anything because the, the this, it's been very stop start since probably about the beginning of December. They haven't had a a sort of consecutive run of games and it has kind of shown in some of the the individual performances. Uh, But the the league is still very much in their wheelhouse and uh, there's there's plenty to play for. And if Barry is going to be in charge of the first team, 
I'm sure he will still be sticking his head into the under-18 dressing room door uh, and saying, you know, come on, boys. We did well first half. Go and bring it home for us. So he could be, yeah, could be I, sitting there at the door and saying, you've been called up, you've been called up, and you've been called up. Well, hey, that, joking aside, that is a possibility. Well, I mean, Alfie, Alfie Babbage has been on the bench. Findlay Marshall was on the bench yeah. on Saturday, but none of them have been taken off the bench and given their debuts. It will be interesting to see, with Barry's knowledge of these boys, whether looking at what he's seeing in first-team training, he might be saying, you know what? These kids are ready to take a chance because the the boys who are currently in the first-team shirts aren't doing it for me. So let's put them in there, sink or swim. If they swim, brilliant. If they sink a wee bit, they can drop back into the Mm. under-18s. But they've had that experience it will be a very interesting team sheet tomorrow and, night. Yeah, and sometimes kids just don't know fear. You know, you, you stick well, them exactly. in and, 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 they, and they've not been coloured by what's gone before in terms of that the is, experience that of that. That is very so, true. Very yeah, um, Jabardine women on a bit of a bounce back with a, a 2-0 victory over Hamilton Aki's followed by a match where they were edged out 1-0 by Hearts. That then was uh, followed by an away trip to Glasgow women on Sunday past. That ended 1-0 for the Dons, so back to winning ways. Doesn't look like they've turned the corner a little bit and have enough to stay up, doesn't it, Dave? Yeah, I'd be very surprised if they, they don't stay up, to be honest. But yeah, it was a, a good win, although Glasgow says here are bottom of the league. You know, they're they're getting closer and it's Always difficult to do down on their patch and, and get the victory. So we're delighted, but uh, tough games coming up now for them. Yeah, the Dons' next match against Rangers at Broadwood tomorrow night. I don't think in their wildest dreams they're expecting to come away with a win from that one. But possibly, you know, a marker to see how far they progress since turning that corner, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if they come away with a, just a, a tight scoreline, it'll be seen as, as progress. Um, it'd be great if they get, get something from it, but... Uh, you know, again, you're playing against full-time sides, so uh, nothing to lose, though. You know, go out and have a go. That's that's my advice for the team. Cove Rangers next, and Paul Hartley moved from a, a 6-0 thumping to a 2-2 home draw against Wraith in the first week of his second spell. A postponement in the Cup last Saturday when they were due to play Air United. Then their next fixture was a league game on Friday evening against Air United. That one finished 5-0 to the visitors. Ouch, Dave. Yeah, thank goodness for AFC women because all we're looking back at is horrendous performances and results. Um, yeah, it was uh, no, it was one that came out and blew the margin of the defeat. It was always going to be a, a difficult game. I think Paul Wolf had his his eyes opened by that that when Jason Naismith made his debut, and he was surprised just how the difference in the quality of the of the two sides in terms of finishing, etc. So, mm. uh, and of course, uh, but they do have a, a nice quick chance to get, <laughs> get them back. <laughs> yeah, a quick turnaround. Barely any point in there going back down the road because they're at the back of the North East play Cove in that rescheduled cup tie tonight at Balmoral with a 7.45 kickoff. I know we said last week results don't count when it comes to the cup tie, but that was a big result. And tries, you might, that's going to play in their minds, isn't it? You'd think so. But, uh, you know, I'm sure Paul would be drumming in. You've got the chance now to show that last Friday... <laughs> that 5-0 was a fluke. <laughs> a fluke, yeah. And... Uh, you know, they've still got um, selection problems, likes of Fraser Fivey's obviously mm. out long term. And Stuart, uh, Stuart McKenzie, the goalkeeper, uh, he's signed for Peter Head uh, because Scott Fox is in, who his experience will stand him in good stead fighting with Kyle Gourley for the, the number one shirt. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it is a cup game, whereas it'll play on their minds the defeat. You know, Air 
there is obviously the chance that some of their players will think, oh, well, we just have to turn up and we, we can get through this one as well. But mm. uh, hope not. And hopefully Cove can get into the um, next round of the Cup and at least have one Aberdeen team in there. <laughs> we wish them well. And then back to uh, to uh, league duty on Saturday away to Partick. Now, Peter Head next. And after claiming a win over Clyde and overhauling them in the league table, the next challenge in their path was Queen of the South at Balmore on Saturday afternoon. A real chance to see what progress they've made under David Robertson because Queen of the South had dropped to just above Peterhead in the league. No chance of the Blue Toon catching them, but every point's a prisoner at this stage. Unfortunately, that one ended 3-1 to the visitors. Meanwhile, Clyde now in bottom spot after the previous weekend's defeat to Peterhead somehow managed to pull off a draw against league leaders Dunfermline, uh, enough to switch spots with Peterhead and send them bottom once more. And Peterhead, with other problems, having had their on-loan goalkeeper Tom Ritchie recalled by his parent club, the Dons. Great news for, for Tom, not so much for Peterhead. Feels like um, all of last week's good work has just been undone, Andrew. It does, to be perfectly honest, because you were looking at the, at the two fixtures, you know, Clyde facing Dunfermline, you thought, no chance Clyde are going to pick yeah. anything up here. Queen of the South, um, albeit they've got a new manager in Marvin Barkley, who's got vast experience, but they, they were struggling. And you thought Peterhead might just do something. Half-time, they're leading by one goal to nil. Kieran Shank scoring from the penalty spot. But then Marvin Barkley's half-time Team talk seemed to work wonders. In, I see he's quoted as saying, I didn't follow the Davy Martindale playbook from their cup tie against Stenhouse Muir the previous week, where I think somebody from Stenhouse Muir had recorded some of it. And, you know, if... <laughs> and the paint was stripping off the walls, was it? <laughs> well, if, um, yeah, replacing expletives with beeps, it would have just been one long beep, yeah. basically. Um, but it had the desired effect. He went the more softly, softly approach and got the result that his side wanted. So, um, yeah, it was it was one step forward last week, one step back. But it's going to be like that all season now. Mm-hmm. They're sitting level in points, but Air have got, or Clyde, sorry, have got a far better goal difference. Yeah. So it's, it's a matter of getting yourself points ahead of, of Clyde now for Peter Head. And it's going to be this two-team league yeah. looking at two results every week and saying which has managed to nudge themselves a wee bit in, in front because, uh, you know, it's going to be like that all the way to the end of the season. Both the bottom two on the road this coming weekend when Clyde are at Airdrie and Peter Head travel to face Aloe Athletic. On to the Highland League now, the results from Saturday's round of matches ending like this. Brecon City 6, Strathspey Thistle nil. Devonville nil, Broader Rangers six. See if you spot a pattern here, by the way. Everoni Locos nil, Fraserburgh four, Banks D six, Wick Academy nil. For Martin United six, Keith nil. I'm not making Will this Will you up. stop reading out six nils for God's sake? There's one that's embedded in my head that will never go away. Forest Mechanics one, Tariff United two, Huntley one, Bucky Thistle one, Nairn County two, Lossiemouth nil. And Rothis 3, Clach 2. And those results uh, leave the table like this. Brecon go top on 56 points. They've got two games in hand as well over their nearest rivals, Bucky Thistle, uh, also on 56, but with a poorer goal difference. Brora 10 points further back in third. In the juniors, Dave? Yeah, well, almost a full programme played at the weekend in the Premier League. Colony Park 3, Banksy St. Terran 0. Dufftown nil, Stonehaven three, Stonehaven move up to fifth. East End nil, Cooter one, Cammy Fraser's penalty separating the sides, which means Cooter retain their five-point advantage at the top. Ellen United nil, Bridget on Thistle three, Hermes five, Montrose Rose Lee two, Maud one, 
uh, Stonywood Park Vale 2 and Nairn St Ninian 2 Dice 5 in the Championship uh, Burkhead Thistle 0 Rothy Rovers 2 Devonside 1 Isla Vale 0 Forest Thistle 2 Bank City JFC 0 Frisbee United 5 Newmarket United 2 uh, Glentana against New Elgin that was the only postponement uh, alongside 2 Aberdeen Uni 0 Lossiemouth United 2 Buckinghaven Hearts 0 so Lossiemouth are actually on a plus points mark because they were at minus two points after being uh, taken points points deducted earlier in the season and that's the first time they've won, I think, all season. Sunnybank 2, couldn't be nil, so Sunnybank stay top. It's uh, mostly league games this weekend. Pick of the bunch, probably Bridget on Thistle against Dice at Aberdeen Sports Village in the Premier League. And there is... One cup tie, and it's you'll be delighted to know it's the North Region Junior Football Association Regional Cup, sponsored by Domino's Pizza. Second yes! tie <laughs> between Burkhead Thistle and East End. All games have a one thirty kickoff. Can that possibly go to a replay? Because that's the only thing that would better. <laughs> It can't, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, that is pretty much it for episode 67 of Pitaudry PS. We aim to publish every week on a Tuesday if we can. Always looking back to the Don's previous fixtures and ahead to the next. Please remember to follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could rate and review us, tell us what you think of the show too, we'd be very grateful. Thanks for checking out Pitaudry PS. We'll see you next time.